what we most of us know as the Beatitudes, which are a series of blessings, eight blessings that are found here in Luke chapter 6, and they're also found in the fifth chapter of Matthew. And these, version, these verses are sometimes called the short version of the Sermon on the Mount. And these blessings, as we just heard, were given by Jesus to his disciples in this Sermon on the Mount. Each blessing offers a future reward to the person who possesses a certain character quality. The word Beatitudes is derived from the word Beatitudo, a Latin mean, word meaning blessedness. Hence the name is used to refer to this Bible passage where each verse begins with the word blessed. So in the Beatitudes, Jesus is describing the ideal follower of Christ and the blessings that he or she will receive both on heaven and earth. And I think one of the important messages for you and I here is that we don't have to wait to get to heaven to really enjoy true joy, comfort, and peace. If you look back in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2, it says this about comfort. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. So back here in Isaiah chapter 61, we have another of what we call the messianic prophecies or the prophecy of the coming of Jesus. We know that when Jesus walked among us, he mourned. We know that he wept for Lazarus. He wept over Jerusalem. And he was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. We also know that while he was yet the Son of God, he was meek. He hungered and thirsted after righteousness. He was merciful when he was here. And the measure of the life of Christ by these qualities, and you find that he modeled all of these Beatitudes. So this is not the description of a Christian person, but it is a description of the man who was Christ. And while he was on earth, he became such so that when we yield to him, we too will have these qualities. So why would we today want to study the Beatitudes? Well, the answer is found in the first word of almost every verse, and that is blessed. Jesus gets our attention from the very start because I think each person present wants to be blessed. So here's what others will see when God shows through in us. A happy person. This is the first sermon in the New Testament where we see Jesus Christ preaching. And it begins with a promise of happiness. 
Nine times the voice of Jesus reached out on that hillside where people were oppressed politically, socially, and economically. And on that day, he offered them genuine happiness. So happiness is a common word. We hear it all the time. But Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, uses it in an uncommon way. When we think of happiness, often we start thinking about people who are wealthy because they have a standard of living that appears to put them out of the reach of the cares of this life. Many money can buy happiness. This world gives us the popular concept of happiness, which is the antithesis of what we hear here. The world says blessed are the rich. The world says blessed are the famous. It says blessed are the gifted. And then it says blessed are the powerful. So for every person, happiness is a common desire. But few people have the kind of happiness that we talk about here. So if happiness is linked to power, certainly not everyone can have it. If happiness is linked with prosperity, not everyone can have that either. And if happiness is linked with popularity, not everyone is going to have that either. Chuck Swindoll, a famous Christian author, wrote in his book, Simple Life, this observation. After noting that Jesus used nine times back-to-back -back announcements of blessings that I just read, he remarked this about those passages. Having endured a lifetime of verbal assaults by the scribes and the Pharisees, the multitude on this mount must have thought they had died and gone to heaven. So for some reason, many people look at our Bible and all they can see is the negative. They see the things that they're not supposed to do. They see the curses for the things that can happen to us if we do the things we're not supposed to do. Some people even view God as a killjoy who spends his time trying to think of new ways to make people miserable. That is not the true picture of the Bible, and certainly we see that in this passage here. Jesus wants us to be happy, and he wants us to live a life with satisfaction, contentment, and delight. So you and I serve a happy God, a joyful God, and it's a wonderful life, and we have a natural high, and we don't have to wake up tomorrow feeling guilty. In the book of Titus, in the second chapter, the 13th verse says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. A lot of us spend a lot of time saying things like, I could be happy if. I could be looking for happiness in all the wrong places and associating it with all the wrong things. But when God shows through, the world will not only see a happy person, for happiness is not based on random circumstances, but when God shows through, they're going to see something much different, much deeper. And that is a whole person. 
And that's what the Beatitudes show us. They show us that that verses, these verses are a self-portrait of Christ. That which we would see if he were living in the body of a man. Because God was living in the body of a man named Jesus Christ. And God's purpose for every Christian is for us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Therefore, it's reasonable to draw these several conclusions. The Beatitudes describes qualities that every Christian should exhibit. These are not for a special category of super-Christians. These are characterizations that each one of us should exhibit. Every Christian should exhibit all the characterizations that are drawn out in the Beatitudes. And they're not a guideline for Christian character. A guideline suggests that you and I should strive to measure up. And we don't have what it takes to measure up to the callings and the standards of the Beatitudes. Because, among other things, sin at work in the heart of a person makes them proud. Sin at work in the heart of a person makes them pushy or grumpy. It's the presence of sin that produces a hunger and thirst for which it is unholy. And sin is a spiritual problem that requires a spiritual solution. So these beatitudes are not to be produced by the Christian, but they are to be produced in the Christian. They tell us what people see in a life that is surrendered to Jesus. So these beatitudes don't represent individual qualities, but a complete picture of a person who has been mastered by God. So the Bible speaks of the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits. The evidence that a person is truly walking in conjunction with the Holy Spirit is that they exhibit the fruit of the Spirit on a consistent, if not per perfect, basis. So what we are seeing is a work of God if a person appears to be poor in spirit but still hungers and thirsts for things. God will make me meek, but will God allow me to lack mercy and compassion? The Holy Spirit equips each person to walk in the way of all of these Beatitudes. So Beatitudes are not a standard for us to achieve, but a yardstick by which we measure whether we are submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We are called to walk toward perfection, and we're either walking toward it or away from it. <clears throat> so we should not spend our time worrying about whether or not we are poor in spirit, meek or merciful. Our focus should be on walking with the Holy Spirit, being in full submission to the Holy Spirit. Because we know if the Holy Spirit is in control, of our lives, he will make these qualities present in the life of each one of us. So the Beatitudes let me know if I'm being hateful and vindictive, and that is a sure sign that I'm not walking with the Holy Spirit. 
I'm driven by self-ambition, then my life is not yielded to Jesus Christ. We all want to feel good about ourselves, but biblically we can't do so until we empty ourselves. Look at what these writers of our scriptures said when they compared ourselves to the Lord and his glory. Isaiah saw the Lord and said, Woe is to me. Peter saw the Lord and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And Paul, when he was known as Saul, felt very spiritually wealthy and had an attitude that if anybody's going to heaven, it's going to be me. But on the road to Damascus, we know that he got a true glimpse of the Lord for the first time. That experience made him physically blind, but spiritually he could see for the first time in his life. He got saved on the road to Damascus, and it all began when he became poor in spirit. Meekness equals submissiveness. This is about our Savior. It's not about weakness, but it's about submitting ourselves to our Lord. It's about power under control. It could be analogized as the picture of a horse that's been broken. The horse is not weak, but it's exhibiting control. So meekness is not weakness. It's being under God's control. So finally, we know that the happiest people in the world are those who yield themselves to experience the grace of God every single day. Why is that? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They are comforted. They inherit the earth. They are filled. They obtain mercy. They see God, and others see God in them. For they are called the children of God. This leads to the most fulfilling lives because God makes them into a complete person. Amen.
send it to you by text and email and I want you to share it if you will and I'll put it on social media so let's pray for a good turnout next week to recognize this important event so with that Lord as you send us out into the world give us the, the heart to be open to the fruit of the Holy Spirit to do things that make us walking walk toward perfection so that people will see the light of Christ in us more by what we do and don't do than by what we say. So Lord, thank you for this place. Thank you for this congregation. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Fine, thanks. Good. Good.